0: The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org.
1: Morning, human. Good morning. I'm Greg Wagner, member of this congregation. On behalf of our service leader for today, Randy Blosh, Reverend Dave Dunn, who is on much-deserved vacation, our director of religious exploration, Lexi Tagney Brown, music director Alex Peach, and my fellow worship associates and the dedicated technical team that is making today's live stream possible. I would like to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, which we affectionately call human. No matter who you are, who you love, or where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If there are any of you visiting us for the first time and feel comfortable doing so, please stand and introduce yourself so we can worship with one another as friends. Are there any first time visitors on my left? Welcome, Elliot. Anybody on my right? Stephanie, Kristen, Scott. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Welcome. One more. Oh, I'm so sorry. Welcome. Reverend Dave is on summer break, and we have an exciting lineup of guest messages from members of our human congregation. July's schedule is in the human times under under the events tab on our wonderful new website. You should go check it out. And after a three-year hiatus, Common Grounds Coffee House will resume, has resumed, I'm sorry, in June, and we'll have a second one uh, this on Saturday, July 15th. The Coffee House uh, is held every month on the third Saturday here in the sanctuary for human and the larger local community to enjoy performances by talented local musicians. Doors open at 7 p.m. with the show starting at 7.30. If you'd like to volunteer to be a greeter at the door or to help out in the kitchen serving refreshments, please contact Janet Lacey at coffeehouse at human.org. We have one adult enrichment offering this morning. Sunday service reflections will begin about 20 minutes after the service, downstairs in Fellowship Hall, room number three. And the RE team is excited to remind you our summer programming is underway. RE activities take place with all ages together during the 10 a.m. service. There is no play group and no classes after service. See your printed program for activities uh, planned for June, uh, July. We are no longer in June. Now we'll light our chalice. Here today in this place and with these people, may we listen so that we can hear. May we hear so that we can feel May we feel so that we can know. And may we know so that we can change ourselves and this world. May this chalice we light, light our way.
0: blessing we have in Alex. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As the old saying goes, the only thing that is constant is change, or something like that. There's been a lot of that in my life the last couple of years, relationships, school, jobs, and now housing. The housing issue has been interesting for me. I had lived in my house in Alpharetta for almost 27 years. That's a record for my family and although it was weird to move, it has been overall very much okay for me. I think some of that is attributed to the fact that I grew up in an IBM family during my school years and in the 70s particularly, IBM stood for I've been moved. We never lived anywhere for more than five years, so I was used to moving. Changing friends, schools, houses, it all happened. And as I probably told folks before when I was a kid, we always moved in March. At the time, I thought it was mean of my father to pick us up in the middle of the school year, but now looking back, it was brilliant because I'd meet kids in my new school before summer came. All that is to say that this move, although stressful at times, For me, it wasn't so bad. I love my rental, and it's in Gainesville, and it's everything I could have wanted. The deer in my yard are almost as plentiful as the squirrels in my old neighborhood. When I sit on my deck in the evening, and I do that every evening, weather permitting, instead of the droning of traffic on Georgia 400, I hear exactly nothing. Or at least nothing like I heard in my old house. I hear trees rustling in the breeze, the deer walking through the leaves, and yes, occasionally, I hear a vehicle going by in the distance, but it's not a car or a truck. It's the sound of a boat on nearby Lake Lanier. I've figured out where to get my groceries and where the nearest QT and fast food restaurants are. They're all really close. And I've even found the post office. I've discovered something else about Gainesville. In addition to being the self-proclaimed poultry capital of the world, it also lies at the center of what can only be described as a wormhole going out in all directions because Gainesville, Georgia is approximately one hour and four minutes from everywhere. (laughs) Give or take a couple minutes with traffic, and I kid you not, Ball Ground is one hour and four minutes away. Human, one hour and four minutes. My office near Peachtree Center in downtown Atlanta, one hour and four minutes, if I leave early enough in the morning. And um, and it's but it's pretty consistent. Clayton, Georgia. Well, it's actually fifty-four minutes, and again, depending on traffic. And the airport on Sunday morning took me, and I will be honest here, one hour and nine minutes. Is something worth studying. But I have settled in and I'm embracing this change. The same cannot be said for my roommate. Bentley, the dog, had lived his entire nine year life in that house in my old Alpharetta neighborhood. That house with his doggy door and his backyard and all his stuff. And although we've been in the new place a little over a month now and all his stuff came with us, He is not convinced this is home. Oh, he loves watching the deer. He wants to play with them. And he likes his fence backyard and laying on the deck with me in the evening. But it seems to him that we're just on a long-term visit somewhere. This isn't home. So when I leave for the day or go to the store, he's not a happy camper. He will wander the house and cry looking for me or something familiar and then he will eventually make his way to the bedroom and lay there until I get home by the way I've got a camera in the house so that's how I know all this stuff but I believe he thinks I've abandoned him and left him in a strange place this change is hard for him he is a dog and I'm hoping with time he'll accept this as home and realize I'm coming back but I need to honor this fear in him. He's scared by this change. Change can be scary. Change happens with lots of things, and people are resistant to change. We don't like it. People see changes and make assumptions, take it to the extreme, decide that, well, if this change goes through, it means this. A prime example is to me, is gun legislation, sensible gun legislation, which, according to almost every poll you read, people are in favor of. Sounds great in theory, but in practice, oh my, oh my. As an example, let's talk about putting in restrictions on who can purchase assault-style weapons, guns that were made for the sole purpose of killing people, doing it quickly. And killing lots of them. The people who are in theory of, in theory, who are in favor of such legislation immediately begin to backpedal, stating if they do this now, then they will come for all our guns. And while the debate over what the Second Amendment actually means will go on far behind beyond my lifetime, but the leaf from let's get smart about this one thing to you are taking away everything stops anything from happening we are stuck we are scared of change and what it could mean so scared that nothing gets done and people keep dying change is scary more locally we are looking at changes here in our own religion The changes to Article 2 passed its first hurdle at GA a couple weeks ago. Now we study it again for a year, and then next year's GA will decide if we make the changes permanent. But as I said, change can be scary. There were literally hundreds of amendments proposed to Article 2 changes, and many of them were related to removing our sources and our principles from the bylaws, which In all honesty, in hindsight, they probably should have never been in the bylaws to begin with. But they were there, and now they are being removed and being replaced by more welcoming and inclusive language that can stand the test of time and will allow us to continue and grow and change with the times. It makes sense, but it means change, and people are scared of change. When we were at GA, there were discussions about Article II. People would speak on how they didn't want to lose our principles and sources. Why would we take these away? Why they are why they became UUs, and why would we change the bedrock of our religion, our beliefs? There's a part of me that found an irony in that. In a church that openly states they have no creed or doctrine, people want to make sure we have our writing, our beliefs in writing. But I digress, this was hard for people. Now, a very, very brief history lesson. We've changed our principles and sources before to make them more inclusive, and it required a bylaws change to do it. It means every time we add something to our list, we'd need to change the bylaws, which takes two years, a year of study and another year to think about it and then go in and vote on it. By changing Article Two to use more open and inclusive language, we eliminate that and can use other means to state our beliefs. It reminded me of things that happened in the Episcopal Church, one of the churches of my upbringing. When they changed the Book of Common Prayer in 1979, the church was in an uproar. How dare they replace the one with all the these and thous with modern English. But guess what? It was not the downfall of the church. And they didn't send out the common prayer police to burn the old books. As a matter of fact, if you walk into Episcopal Church, you'll find the 1928 prayer book in the pews of almost every one of them. And it's used on some high holidays. I always made sure and skipped church on those Sundays, by the way. The changing of the rote didn't lead to the downfall of the church, but the resistance to the change did. People were willing to deal with a new book in the pews, but not with some of the things that came along with it, such as the ordination of women. That's when the split first started. That change led to the formation of the American Anglican Church. And when the Reverend Gene Robinson, who was a person I actually know, an openly gay priest, was elevated to bishop, well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, and that is what divided the Episcopalians and families, including mine. Entire states have left the Episcopal Church, and now are, we are now seeing that in other faith traditions. The United Methodist Church split over the recognition of LBGTQ members and ministers, and most recently the Southern Baptists again over the ordination of women. Churches are divided, and they're divided over change. UUs are divided over change. We saw it start with the Gadfly papers that first saw the light of day in GA and Spokane, and people openly bringing forth candidates for offices in the UA to stop our expansion and inclusion to take us back to the good old days. There is a splinter group forming, and it is gaining traction. And if we are not careful, our religious tradition, one that is based in inclusion and love for each other, will be divided over inclusion and language. Change is hard. Now let's be clear about something with Article 2. Our principles and sources will not be going away. There will be no group of guards from the UA to come to remove the principles from our walls and cover up the insides of our hymnals. We will still recite them in RE and live our lives by them. There will still be a movement to adopt the eighth principle and I, for one, am in favor of that and will preach it from this and any other pulpit I I am blessed to stand in moving forward. Article two is about making our bylaws more inclusive and more inviting, not dividing. But change is hard. And we can live through the change by living with the change, hearing each other, owning that this change will be scary for many of our members, young and old. We need to listen to each other and live those principles, not just point to them and say, this is who we are, but show the world who we are by how we live. If you haven't been to our website lately, and the new website is beautiful by the way, go to human.org and look at what it says right there in big bold print in the middle. Different beliefs, shared values. That's who we are and what we believe. And yes, the list of principles is there and it should be there. And those are some of the guidestones we use to form our values. Change is hard and change is constant. We have no choice to hold on to each other and embrace the change together because if we don't, it will tear us apart. It's up to us, it's up to me, and it's up to you. One of the first musicals I ever had the joy of being in was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I was Snoopy. There's a song that Alex and I are going to be singing together shortly that I think should be in our UU hymnal. In this song, the cast sings about what happiness means to them, each of them, and each of them has their own definition. But in the end, happiness is about anyone or anything at all that's loved by you. Even though changes are coming, we can find happiness together. It will look different to each of us and every one of us, but together, together, we can find it. Amen. Ashe, and may it be so.
1: Do you want to do the chalice? Yeah. But now we will extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again.
0: The Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for
1: listening to The Human Podcast. Background music, courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay.